Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. This is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ right here in Omaha, Nebraska. We're so thankful to have this opportunity to be back with you today to open up God's Word again and study a little bit deeper, a little bit further. Learn a little bit more from those rich teachings and truths that God has provided for us right there in His Word. You know, the Bible is the most blessed book that has been ever made available to mankind, and it is also the most read book that has ever been at the access of mankind. It is still, every year in our country, hands down, the best-selling book. You just don't read about that because they're focusing on novels and books of biography and so on, but the Bible is always the best-selling book in this nation, and it is the most coveted Now, I say that in a positive kind of uh, frame of mind. It is the most desired book in the whole world. People in parts of the world where the Bible is not readily available, they want a copy of the Bible, of God's Word. And so we, right here in this nation, and through this medium, we have the opportunity to open it up every day, Monday through Friday, and study in it along the lines that God would guide us to understand and make the proper applications to our lives. So we're thankful to have this opportunity to be with you and to serve God in this way. And to him be all the glory, the honor, and the praise. Our prayer is that as we study each day through the scriptures, that your faith in God is becoming stronger. And that as that happens, your desire is going to be more and more to want to come to God and to do that his way. Through Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ as God's Son and your Lord and Savior, and surrendering to Him in baptism for the remission of your sins. Beginning to walk that new life in Christ, a new direction, a new hope, a new assurance, and ultimately looking forward to being with God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit in heaven for all of eternity. Our prayers are with you and our prayers are for you. And we really do pray for you. I want to encourage you at the end of the program today to have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready. Jot down the information that we'll give you as to how to contact us and ask for the free Bible study that we always offer. It it is free. We'll even take care of the postage. All you have to do is ask. So be sure to have that pencil or pen and piece of paper ready. And then you can jot down that information and then follow through and ask. Now, we want to also encourage you to take advantage of our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. It is free. You can access these radio programs, for one thing. You can access all of our sermons and also our today's Bible class that is podcast on the website daily. You can also scroll down the home page, click on our podcast button, and you'll receive all of our broadcast materials every day, free, free. Tremendous resource opportunities for studying God's Word. So we encourage you, take advantage of that. And again, it's all free, churchofchrist.com. We began looking in our last section of study at the grace of God. 
we tried to come to something of a fair understanding and maybe kind of a comfortable understanding of what we mean when we talk about the grace of God. A whole lot of people talk about that, but I'm not sure that they fully understand. And certainly it's easier, I think, to describe God's grace than it is to define it. So we talked about it uh, from a technical definition perspective as God's unmerited favor exhibited toward man, offering us his goodness when we don't deserve it. But still, that's kind of a technical understanding. We looked at the word grace put in acrostic form, G-R-A-C-E, each letter standing for a word, God's riches at Christ's expense, referring to God sending Christ to die on the cross on our behalf to pay the price for the guilt of our sins, and through him as our Savior, then we could be forgiven, redeemed, we could have the opportunity for eternal life, salvation, and be there with God in heaven for all of eternity. Well, that's a pretty good description. But again, we try to get deeper into the word and try to understand it more fully. I, wanna, I want us to begin to talk about that basic fundamental understanding or principle of God's grace extended toward humanity, and that is salvation by the grace of God. Salvation by the grace of God. We have only God in his grace to thank for the opportunity of salvation. I want to emphasize the opportunity of salvation. You see, people have to respond to God his way in order to receive that opportunity in its fullness, that opportunity to be saved through Jesus Christ. God does not just reach down and save people against their own will. He expects response from us. And we'll talk about that in a further section of this study. But right now, let's talk about salvation by the grace of God. If we turn to John chapter 1, if you're in a setting where you can open your Bible and follow with us, that would be great because we're going to read several passages of Scripture today. John chapter 1. I want us to begin with verse 1. In verse 1, we read this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And we're talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God here. God the Son. Because verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So when we read in verses 1 and 2, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, he was in the beginning with God, we're talking about Christ, God the Son. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and life was the light of men. Now, there are some people who may not realize that Jesus Christ, or God the Son, was right there with God in the beginning. He was there with God the Father in the beginning, at the creation. And not only was he there, but he took part in the creation. In fact, what does John the Apostle write here? 
All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. The Apostle Paul talked about this in Colossians chapter 1, beginning with verse 15. And here he wrote, He, that is referring to Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Now, and I've talked about this before, it's difficult for us to fully understand and wrap our minds around the principle that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are still just one God. Now, I, I don't know that we can fully grasp that until we can be there with them in heaven for eternity. And then observe, and then I suspect it'll all make sense to us. But God is God, one God, and yet three personalities. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So when we look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, and it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and then we read further through that first chapter, day by day, in the creation process. Well, then God said this, God did that, and there, right there, was God the Son. And so all things were made through him, and without him nothing that was made that was made. We come back to John chapter 1 and verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So when we talk about the grace of God, well, we are here by God's grace. In, in fact, our very existence is dependent upon God. Our physical existence is dependent upon him. In verse 10 of John chapter 1, Speaking of Christ again, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. So again, God the Son, Christ, was there in the beginning, and he took part in the creation. Now, some people would say that he was created before God created mankind. Get any notion of that thought out of your mind. God is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three personalities of God and eternal in nature, every single one. God the Father did not create God the Son. God the Son was there with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit in the beginning and took part in the creation. When we think about, again, <clears throat> God creating us by his grace. He did not make us like cows in the pasture or, or horses in the pasture. He did not make us like wild animals in the wild. He did not make us like fishes in the sea or like any of the vegetation upon the face of the earth. He created us unique as human beings, created in his likeness. Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse 26, we read this. God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. 
let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, that does not mean, I believe, that we're supposed to think that we look like God physically. God is spirit. We are flesh. But just as God is spirit, he created us with a spiritual essence or being within our fleshly body. We're not just physical beings, but we're also spiritual beings. We have a soul. And it is in that sense, I believe, that we're to understand that God created us in his own image. In the image of God, he created us. So we are spiritual beings as well as physical beings. We understand the difference between right and wrong, goodness and evil, righteousness and unrighteousness. We understand the very concept of eternal life. You see, nothing else that God created is like us. Nothing else has that spiritual being within, but he created us in his image. So we, we owe our very existence, and as God has created us in the way he created us, to God by his grace. By his grace, he made us in his own image with a soul, and the opportunity to be able to look forward to eternal life with him in heaven. Now, as our physical existence, we are totally dependent upon God for salvation. You see, again, we could not have made ourselves. We could not have brought ourselves into being. You talk about fanciful reasoning that jumps through all kinds of hoops. You talk about blind faith that makes no scientific sense whatsoever. That's where the evolutionists are in trying to explain while they disbelieve in God, the creator, they try to make us, under, make us think that they understand a reasonable, a reasonable process by which we just kind of came into existence out of either nothing or inanimate matter. Again, makes absolutely no scientific sense. And you talk about real blind faith, because they have faith in that. That is real blind faith. Because again, there is no substance to it. There is no proof behind it. No reasonable reasoning to support it from a scientific perspective. And yet, that's what they try to tell us happened. Well, we turn to God's word and we look around us and we see the evidence of a creator, of a creator. Design demands the presence of a designer. We understand that in everything that we see around us from a physical perspective. Well, why do we have those who try to tell us that the physical world in all of its intricate design, and the universe itself in an even more intricate design, and our physical beings, you talk about intricate design, we still don't understand all of how we are put together and how everything works and so on. But it's all there with obvious design. 
such cannot happen by accident or on its own. So when we look at John chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2, we see it did not happen on its own. It is by God's grace that we are here, that this world exists as it exists, and that this universe works together in such intricate fashion by God's design. And verses 4 and 5, In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now John, in this first chapter, is starting to reflect upon the spiritual side of life. So Jesus came into this world. He is the Word. He is the one who is there with God and worked with God in the creation, and by him all things were made, and without him nothing what was made that was made. And in him was life, not just physical life, but in him, in his coming to this earth as the Savior, he brought the opportunity for eternal life, and that's spiritual, eternal life with God in heaven. In verse 6, John goes on and says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, John was the cousin of Jesus. This man came for a witness to bear witness to the light. What does light do? When it says, in Christ was life and the life was the light of men, ultimately we're talking about the message of eternal life, of salvation from God that Jesus brought to mankind on this earth. So this is the message from the throne room in heaven of life. And we're talking about this life should light up the way for our walk on this earth, for our lives as we live them here in this physical realm, should guide us into God's way, righteousness, and ultimately we should see that it points us to heaven itself, an eternal life. So John was sent by God. You can read the story about that earlier in this particular uh, gospel account or, or in the gospel accounts in general. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light. And the light there, you might see in your, in your text of the New Testament, is capitalized. It's talking about Christ being that light, that all through him, that is Christ, might believe. He, John, was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Now, when you read the gospel accounts, you find that John was sent by God to prepare the way for the ministry of Christ. He kind of went ahead, so to speak, and prepared people for the coming Savior. And in that way, he prepared the way. He was sent to bear witness of the light and to the light, Christ, in other words. Now, later in this chapter, it is brought out that he actually identifies Jesus as that light, as the Christ, the Savior, the Messiah. But let's go on in these first several verses. So John was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man 
coming into the world. You know, Jesus was, is identified in the scripture as the light of the world. You talk about a world that is in darkness and really needs the light to come out of that darkness and into the, and into the light of godliness and righteousness and eternal salvation. We need that light. The world has always needed that light since the Garden of Eden. We need it so desperately right now. Jesus is that light. The gospel message of forgiveness and salvation is the message of that light. Verse 9, that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Again, obviously speaking of Christ. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Now, what does that mean? Well, he came to the Jews first. Remember the message from the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. When Jesus was born into this world physically, in physical form, he was born into a Jewish family an Israelite family. It it was the Israelites that God had prepared through the Old Testament prophecies and writings to look forward to and be ready for the coming of the Savior, the Messiah. But what we find historically, when we read through those gospel accounts and the book of Acts, most of those Jews did not accept Jesus as the Savior, as the Messiah, as the Christ. They rejected him. He was not the kind of Savior they were looking for. They wanted somebody to come in and reestablish David's throne in Jerusalem and in a physical way and drive the Roman armies out of their land and restore the nation to its physical prosperity and prominence and glory. Well, that was not the kind of Savior that God was sending into the world through Jesus Christ, in the form, in the person of Jesus Christ. He was sending a spiritual Savior. And so when it says he came to his own in verse 11 of John chapter 1, and his own did not receive him, that's a general statement. Most of the Israelites rejected Jesus as the Savior. As you read through the, through the first several chapters of the book of Acts, talking about the early history of the church on this earth, that point is brought out repeatedly, that they rejected Jesus. They led to his and instigated his crucifixion on the cross. Verse, verse 12 goes on and says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And we're talking about a spiritual rebirth. And through Christ, we can be born again. In fact, in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So 
as with our physical existence, we are totally dependent upon God through Christ for salvation. And through Christ, God gives us the right to become children of God in the most important sense of the, of the, the, the statement, from that spiritual sense. And this offer of spiritual rebirth and being adopted by God into his spiritual family is not something that we can accomplish in our own. It is absolutely a product and an offer by the grace of God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us the opportunity to be with you forever in heaven. Thank you for offering us by your grace the opportunity to be forgiven and saved. Praise be to your name and please guide us to latch on to, to embrace your offer of grace. Please forgive us, gracious Father. And this is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.